Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Great to be with you this morning. Happy Easter to all of you. Uh, I think traditionally I would say, He is risen, and you would say, He is risen indeed. Couldn't miss my opportunity to do that. Uh, I want to start this morning by having us uh, turn in your Bibles to one of the accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. So if you have a Bible uh, or a Bible app, go ahead and turn there in your Bibles to Luke 24, verse 1, and we'll uh, actually we'll pick up there later on. And if you uh, maybe are new to church, we're really glad that you're here. If you don't have a Bible, there's actually a stack of Bibles in the back, and we would love for you to take one of those home and to uh, make it your own. Uh, but as the rest of you are turning there, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say a quick prayer uh, for our time this morning. Uh, thank you that when you saw humanity... Uh, in its darkness and in its desperation, in our darkness, in our desperation, uh, without hope in the world that you stepped in, uh, that you decided to uh, bear the cross for humanity, that you decided to die in our place so that you could win uh, ransom people from every tribe, tongue, and nation on the planet, and that you would call us to yourself and then actually Um, change us, transform us, and send us out uh, to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And uh, I pray, God, that as we um, speak about uh, what happened after the cross uh, and the significance of it, I pray that it would be real to us this morning. Uh, Most of us are walking through the door this morning with distractions, uh, with burdens, with things that are um, weighing us down, Um, We uh, face every sort of human problem and distraction under the sun. Uh, We we are walking out of uh, a a very skeptical culture. We have every reason for this to just kind of go right over our heads this morning. And yet, Jesus, I pray that in the power of your spirit, uh, it would actually go into our hearts, that this would resonate with something uh, deep within us. Uh, And you would remind us Uh, the stunning truth about the reality that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created humanity, uh, he placed them in a garden called the Garden of Eden. And it was to be a special dwelling place where humanity was to be with God, and he was to be with them and be their God. God walked with them, we're told, in the cool of the day, in uninterrupted intimacy. The life of God was available to them. And Adam and Eve had no awareness of sin or pain or death. But an enemy came into the garden, Satan himself, the great enemy of God, 
And because uh, Satan can't technically harm or kill God, he went for the next best thing, which is those who, who bear God's image, the ones that God loved most, the first human beings. And his goal was to tear them away from God and God's goodness. And that's exactly what happens as the story unfolds. Adam and Eve uh, listen to Satan, who's pictured as a serpent in the accounts. They buy his lies, they rebel against God, and everything goes downhill from there. Adam and Eve are forced to leave the garden. Uh, they, are, they no longer have access to the eternal life that God offers. And they are subject to Satan, sin, and death. This is the world that you and I inherited. This is the world that we were born into. The pain, the sin, the struggle, the rebellion. And if you don't believe me, watch the news. Every night... Channel after channel, story after story, capturing the brokenness of our world. And there is beauty in the world, to be sure, but it doesn't sell. And hence, we have the news culture that we do. Every day, story after story, capturing the downward spiral of a hurting world. Fractured nations, divisive politics, broken families, patterns of sin and evil and anger and revenge cycling over and over again. You don't have to watch more than an hour or two to get a real snapshot of the state of humanity. Somehow, we are prone toward brokenness. We are prone toward hatred, toward fracturing. We sin against one another. We even kill each other. And every single one of us is going to die. And we know that it all feels wrong, but we can't look away. And so night after night, we watch this car crash happen over and over again. Day in and day out. And yet, even as we watch, and our hearts and minds are brought face to face with the, the dark realities of this world, even then, there's something in us, buried deep within our hearts, that says, this is wrong. This is not how the world is supposed to be. We know it. Sin is wrong. This hatred, this violence, this selfishness is wrong. Death itself approaches us as this alien invader 
into God's good world. Why do we all sense this? Well, because some part of us still longs for the garden. Some remnant buried deep within the human heart knows what we were made for, almost remembers a world that is not like this world. And if we even dare to dream, if we are willing to admit it to ourselves or to others, we are hungry for that place. As I was preparing this message, I suddenly had a to the when I was four or five years old. I can't remember exactly, but I have this vivid memory of being a four or five-year-old and having this moment where I realized that I was going to die someday. And, and I just remember this incredible weight coming over me as I realized, oh, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to have an end. I'm mortal. One day, the life will slip from my body and and I'm not sure. I don't know. I guess I go back to non-existence. The lights are out. Endless blackness floating into the ether. I'm not sure. And this feeling of emptiness and helplessness and incredible sadness came over me as a little boy. And I remember crying and going to my parents for comfort because I realized that I was going to die someday. And and that thought as a young boy was somehow terrifying. Something about it felt wrong. But this is how we're born. This is the world we inherited. Yeah, life is hard, but do your best. Yeah, sometimes life sucks, but what can you do? Keep calm and carry on. Yeah, death comes for us all, but we have no answer for that. So do the best that you can to ignore it and focus on the days that you do have. The scriptures say that we were born separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship with God's people, foreigners and outsiders to the promises of God, that we were alienated without hope and without God in the world. 
And this is the human problem which God himself has set out to remedy. In fact, the story of the scriptures is the story of God coming to rescue humanity from Satan, sin, and death. To make a way for us to be reconciled back to him, brought back into his family under his blessing to share his eternal life. And though the forces of sin and death seem impossibly strong in our eyes as we struggle under the weight of them, as we stare into the face of them day in and day out, the glory of God is that he actually has power over them. And the story of the scriptures is the story of this God who has power over Satan, sin, and death, finding a way to share that power, to share that victory with us. And that story finds its climax in the events that we celebrate this morning. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. For when we were alienated and and helpless, God stepped in at just the right time to save us from the fate that we were facing. God came in the person of Jesus to take our place for our sin, to bear the fate that we deserve. And so he laid down his life on our behalf. He allowed himself to be crucified in our place. In this, he demonstrated the radical love that God has for each one of us, the radical love that God has for you. As he bore the penalty of our sin, as he tasted death for all of us. But those who were watching on that fateful Friday as he hung on the cross, they had no idea what was happening. It wasn't obvious from the circumstances. They weren't able to see into the spiritual realm. All they saw was their friends and leader put to death for challenging the powerful of this world, for standing up against the elite. In the eyes of the world, Jesus was simply a revolutionary who died a criminal's death, executed by the might of Rome. Upon seeing Jesus sentenced to death, the disciples wandered home shocked and despondent. Their leader was dead. To them, Jesus had been more than a revolutionary. They knew him to be more. In fact, they believed that he was the son of God come to rescue 
humanity. But it wasn't supposed to end like this. They looked on as his lifeless body was taken down from the cross, buried in a tomb, and their hope died along with Jesus. It was over. A rich man came forward and volunteered a tomb for Jesus' body. When they were certain he was dead, they removed him from the cross. They wrapped him up and they laid him in the tomb. No one knew quite what to do next or how to express their grief. It seemed that the oppressor had won. It seemed that Satan had won. It seemed as though death had claimed another victory. And the sun set on their grief. The next day was the Sabbath day. No work was to be done. The disciples mourned in solitude, hidden away in a dark room, wondering if they would be the next to face execution. The next morning, some of the women went to the tomb to prepare the body of Jesus with spices. And what they discovered on that morning Shock the world. This is Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven disciples and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. From here, things only get more wild. As the disciples encounter Jesus in the flesh, resurrected in a new body back from the dead. And over the next 40 days, he appears in his resurrected body to hundreds of people at various times and places before ascending again to heaven 
in front of their eyes. Jesus, whom everyone had seen executed, was alive again. God had done the impossible. Having bore the sin of the world in his own body, having tasted death for all of us, God raised him up to life again. At last, God had conquered Satan, sin, and death. The tomb was empty, and hope was alive again. No longer would humanity be subject to Satan, sin, and darkness. For a light shone forth on that day that would flood out of that empty tomb until it touched every single tribe, tongue, and nation on planet Earth. A message broke out that could not be contained. Christ isn't here. He is risen. Jesus is alive again. No power of hell, no scheme of man was able to contain this message. The disciples were changed overnight from dejected men huddling in a dark room to some of the boldest evangelists that the world has ever known. They faced death at at every turn, but it didn't matter anymore. They had seen Jesus back from the dead The elite had nothing more to threaten them with. Death didn't matter. Not even execution or the threat of it could keep them silent. They had to go on. They had to share this message. Christ is back from the dead and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That all those who believe in his death on the cross would receive forgiveness and restoration, being cleansed, remade, and adopted into God's family. And all those who believed in his resurrection would ensure that they too would one day be raised from the dead in the age to come. Hope, contagious, uncontainable, burst forth and began to spread like wildfire across the landscape of humanity. And as it did, hundreds and then thousands and then millions were persecuted and put to death as those in power tried desperately to stop this message from escaping their grasp. But the more people they executed, the faster the message spread. And as it spread across the nations, God began to touch hearts and minds, revealing himself to thousands, and then millions, 
and then billions of people. And as that message spread, people all over the world began to claim that they too had encountered God, that they too knew Jesus to be alive and well and at work in the world. And the world would never be the same again. In two weeks, my oldest son Moses uh, turns four. And don't cheer, that means I'm getting old. (laughs) And he is beginning to grasp the idea that he's going to die. You can see the wheels turning. He's beginning to wrestle with this whole concept of life and death. But if he comes to me with tears in his eyes, asking whether or not he will die someday, I'll tell him yes. That unless Jesus returns first, him and I will both die. But do you know what Jesus says? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Or said another way, if you believe in me, you'll simply pass through death and into greater life. For those who have put their faith in him, death is not an end, it is a door. It is a doorway into what God has prepared for all of those who love him and who call upon his name. And because the tomb is empty, we have nothing to fear. The enemy has nothing left to threaten us with. Nothing to hold over our heads. Our past is taken care of. We're set free. And our future is is secure. Resurrection is on the horizon. I will tell my son that the best is yet to come. And now, when I watch the news, well, actually, I I don't. I don't watch (laughs) this. But now, when you watch the news, I want you to whisper this reminder to yourself as the tenth and final horror story plays out across the screen, as you get fresh images from around the world of those stuck in cycles of suffering and violence and revenge. I want you to whisper this as you watch. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory 
that will be revealed in us. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that is to come. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the fate of this world is sealed. It will be rescued. It will be redeemed. It will be set free. It will be made whole again. And all who follow Jesus will be resurrected into the kingdom of God and experience eternal life with Him. Let's pray.